Welcome to Advice Worth Keeping. Today we're bringing you a special episode that spotlights risk and compliance topics through conversations hosted between KPMG partners and business leaders. One of our partners, Dilip Rodrigo, recently had a chance to connect with leaders from Amazon, Walgreens, Boots Alliance, and Kroger to discuss the impacts of COVID-19 on their organizations and their plans for moving forward. Dilip, over to you. Hi, I'm your host, Philippe Rodrigo. I'm a principal at KPMG and the U.S. commercial lineup business leader for Risk Advisory Solutions. In today's episode, we explore the impact of COVID-19 on three major retail organizations and their path forward. Before we got started, I asked each of our panelists what's the one thing they're looking forward to doing once the country starts opening up. I know for me, I'm really looking forward to visiting my favorite sushi restaurant. My first panelist was a former Big Four partner. She was recently the VP of Global Audit for North America for Walmart and is currently the head of Global Internal Audit at Amazon, Lynette Richmond. Hi, welcome, Lynette. Hi, thank you, Dewey. Uh, Lynette, what are you looking forward to doing once we get through COVID-19? Right. It sounds kind of strange, but we took up pickleball a couple of years ago, so I'm really looking forward to getting back out on the court with all my friends. Oh, that's fantastic. My next panelist was also a former Big Four partner. He has had several leadership roles, including managing principles for the technology and security risk services practice for Asia-Pacific region based in Japan. He is currently the Vice President of Global Internal Audit at Walgreens Boots Alliance, Troy Kelly. Troy, thanks for joining us. Hi, Dalit. Troy, so what are you looking forward to doing once the country starts opening up? Yeah, like you, Dalit, one of the things I'm really looking forward to is getting back to some of my favorite restaurants. I can only cook so many different types of meals, and I'm really looking forward to getting out and having some nice dinners. Wonderful. And my final guest leads the Epic Product Integrity, Privacy, Environmental Social Responsibility, and Healthcare Compliance. She's been with Kroger for over 22 years in several leadership roles. She currently serves as Vice President and Chief Ethics and Compliance Officer at Kroger, Martha Sarah. Welcome, Martha. Thank you for having me, Dalit. So, Martha, same question to you. What are you looking forward to doing? Well, I guess I will admit that I am a bit of an extrovert who gets energy from being around people. Personally, I'm looking forward to attending sporting and arts events, and I think like the rest of you, going to restaurants with family and friends. Yes, I think we're all getting a little tired of staying at home so much. So, Martha, I'm going to start with you as we explore various topics. In what ways is COVID-19 different from other forms of disruption the organization has faced in the past? I've been involved with our pandemic and business resilience teams and been a part of that since I joined Kroger 22 years ago. And I can say that this event is like no other. In the past, events have been more localized to either an area of the country, such as when we've had tornadoes and flooding and other natural disasters, or to a specific part of the business, like affecting our food safety or security, healthcare, for example. So there's never been anything as broad and wide-ranging as the current situation, the way it affects all parts of our business as well within the U.S., 
which is where we're located, and even abroad where we get products. The complexity and speed at which things have changed is also unique here. The guidance and rules that were posted that we needed to follow, they evolved constantly throughout the day. So new information was coming in also from a variety of sources. The sources of information were very dispersed, and it was a full-time job staying up on that piece of it. Lynette, what's your take on how this is different from other types of disruption? I think Martha hit on a lot of the big ones there, that just the breadth of this situation I think is like no other, as Martha said. I think it's also a little bit different in just we don't know how long it's going to go. It's already been happening for a long time now. I've got teams in Asia and, in fact, in China Starting back in January, some of my teams were on lockdown and work from home orders. But then as it spread across the globe, more teams in the business, more segments of the business were impacted, whether it was supply chain or global operations. And similarly, my internal audit team as well, just it seemed, as Martha called out, every day was a new day. We learned who has a lockdown order now, who has stay-at-home orders. In Seattle, where I'm based and most of my team is based, I think that we went into stay-at-home orders on March 9th and started working from home. But with each wave, as different regions were hit and different things were coming to light every day, it was again and again figuring out how you were going to make it work. Situations in Tokyo were very different than they were with our India team, who may not have had the consistency and the resiliency of some of the remote technologies that we all have become very dependent on over the course of the past three to four months. And we don't really know how much longer this new reality will go. That, I think, creates a lot of anxiety There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of disparate information that you're not really sure which one you're going to place your best on and follow. So every day, multiple times a day, you're making your best choice with what you've got, whether it's in how you support the business or how you support your own team or your family, quite honestly, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, Lynette. And Troy, I'm curious from your standpoint, I know you're based out in Chicago, how this has impacted you and your teams locally as well as the organization much more broadly. Yeah, I would say that the physical separation that's required has been something that's very different in the situation. Having to be both physically separated, but also separated in a manner where you have the stay-at-home orders, not just in each state or the U.S., it's global, is very, very different than anything that other situation we've had to deal with, I think, in recent times, which then has an impact on the audit team to actually perform their activities. We have managed to continue to do some auditing, but I think auditors by nature aren't accustomed to staying in place and doing an audit from afar. That's been something that globally we've had to structure and was mentioned earlier, trying to do that, given all the different cultures that we're dealing with, very, very different than what we've had to experience in the past. Thank you for sharing those organizational perspectives. Now let's focus on the functional perspectives. What are you doing differently as an internal audit or compliance function today? I think we've gotten really good at being agile and pivoting, quite honestly. I think as internal audit departments, we go through a pretty rigorous risk assessment, all of us, and we lay out our plans for the year and we start scheduling audits. But as this started to roll across the globe, 
I think that a lot of those plans became disrupted, whether they're, as Troy called out, we were planning to travel to India to look at data centers or look at operations across the U.S., whether it be our food distribution network or others. And all of a sudden, these plans where we were going to go travel, obviously those got disrupted. We also faced the challenge in that the business was just, quite frankly, overwhelmed. And they were trying to figure out day to day and hour by hour what they needed to do. And the last thing they really wanted to do was focus on catering to the request of an audit or questions or interviews. So probably... 50% of our plan or better got paused. As of now, we haven't canceled anything per se, but we certainly got stopped midstream and audits that we were looking to kick off in the short term got postponed as well. Obviously, we've got a big team of auditors needed to find how do you allocate those resources most effectively, both to help the company during this critical time as they were trying to respond themselves but also continue on the path of trying to protect the company and how best could we deploy our resources to achieve that. I think that what we had to do differently was that nimbleness, but also a little bit of creativity. I think that we had to look how can we get information without reliance of the business or how could we approach the business as a partner and say, hey, you know, we're extra arms and legs that maybe can help you do some certain things, whether it's analyze data or help you monitor for some negative impacts that you might be seeing in your business. But we've got the skills, we've got some tools, we've got data analytics, so can we come to the table and help? Which is a little bit in contrast to what you typically expect an internal audit department to do. I think also the other big thing functionally that we had to change was just how we operate together as a global team of internal auditors. Again, understanding that people have personal demands that they're dealing with at this time as well. They may not be as available. Everybody's working remotely. That presents unique challenges. We had to get creative on how to stay effective as an internal audit department also and make sure everybody was engaged, we were communicating well across the teams, and just really trying to optimize what we could under the circumstances. Lynette, is there an example that comes to your mind of how you guys had to change internally to to be effective? Yeah, the biggest thing was really this communication, both with the business leaders as well as our own internal team. One of the things, given that our plan was so shaken up that we did, just very tactically, me and my leadership team are now meeting weekly, which given the pace of change doesn't seem like that much, but it's much more frequently than we were. And so we're having weekly calls where as a leadership team, we're talking about that allocation of resources and what we're hearing from our business and where some needs might be. Almost in real time, we're making leadership decisions about the deployment of our resources, what we need to focus on, how we can accelerate things to create capacity for other demands that may be coming our way. And because we are a global team, I've got leaders in Asia and EMEA and the U.S. So we're sharing the load as far as time zone burdens. And so we Mm -hmm. have calls at 6 a.m., 10 p.m., 2 p.m., and we just rotate so nobody's overly burdened one way or another. But just that continued communication and real-time decision-making with regard to how we need to pivot, where we need to channel the team. Yeah, that's great. 
Troy, you mentioned that you've had to rethink the internal audit plan as well and how you execute the plan. Given the large team that you have, what are you doing differently today to be able to pivot the function? We, too, have had to adjust our audit plan, but that's more from us. Let's figure out what's least disruptive to the organization and the different businesses that we audit. And those that are disruptive, then we'll pause those audits and we'll figure out at a later date how we work that into the fiscal year or perhaps if it meets our criteria, we move it into our plan for next year. So we're looking at that. But I think one of the things that, quite honestly, my team globally is extremely busy right now, and that is being more of a consultative model for the organization as we start rolling out new activities. Internal audit is there at the table when these decisions are made. We've started testing centers, some of our store locations, out in the parking lot, and that has, for example, created an environment where we need to look at the risk around that, and we're at the table helping our business work through where those risks might be, how we mitigate it the best. It's a different model than what we're used to normally going in and doing an audit, looking at the risk business process, which is similar to what we're doing here, but then establishing where those controls should be and auditing them. Here, it's more putting a consultative type hat on and helping our business think through the risks of some of these new activities that we're helping. Because as you know, Walgreens Boots Alliance is not only here in the U.S., but around the world and the front lines of supplying pharmaceuticals, pharmacy operations, et cetera. And in some cases, we're also, my team members are actually in the stores and our distribution centers helping be those arms and legs and eyes on the ground to help management avoid risk areas that otherwise wouldn't be identified. That's really helpful, Troy. Marta, you have responsibilities, both direct and indirect, in a variety of different compliance areas. How is your function helping the company today? Well, the business resilience team actually reports up through ethics and compliance, so they have obviously been very involved. While that team normally oversees business continuity, pandemic programs and plans, Our past responses, albeit less complex, were led by the business operations and business resilience served in a supporting role. This time, we realized that the business operations leaders had their hands full. They needed to focus on operations. So the business resilience and compliance leaders stepped up and organized and helped lead the pandemic internal task force. So organizing people, making sure the right people were involved early on, scheduling meetings, doing a lot of the administrative work behind the scenes. We tracked action items, decisions made. We helped gather data and information into one place. We used our teams and systems that we had in place at Kroger, gather and store information to maintain consistency and then feed that to our communications team for communication to the rest of the company. That was different, and it was helpful to have some individuals who could be pulled off of other projects and dedicated to this full-time in an administrative and leadership capacity. We had compliance leaders managing who were very integral on many special projects. Like Troy mentioned, the testing. Testing is unique and something new, especially to retailers and the pharmacies. We were able to serve as project leads for setting up our drive-through testing sites, 
rolling out and expansion of our telehealth services through our little clinics. We also expanded contactless payments at this time, and that was also something that our compliance team was very involved with, and the enhanced cleaning protocols, our environmental compliance team was able to assist with that. It was proven that the connections to regulators that compliance had directly and through our trade associations, understanding the operational regulatory requirements to get into new businesses or that would occur when we were pivoting, and then also how to address those challenges was key and was something that our compliance and other members of the compliance risk and ethics team were able to assist with. While I recognize we are still going through this pandemic, what lessons have you all learned that you can apply now or for a future wave of COVID? I think the ability to be agile, not just my department, but the entire company. It is quite amazing how we've been able to look at changes in the landscape and be able to adapt to that and come to the table with solutions to governments and communities that have certain needs that, quite honestly, you never would have thought about. Even if you imagined a pandemic and the complications that would bring and the ability of the company to be agile and say, hey, we've got a solution for that and to deploy that quickly. I think that's added a dimension that we may have had, but now we know we have it. And then I think the other thing is really the use and deployment of technology. We've been able to collaborate with certain tools that we have, and it's made things a lot easier had we not had it. A number of some of our service providers, for example, it was obvious that they were not as ready for something like this. It took them a while to get online, but when you look at what we were able to do, and perhaps, you know, in certain parts of the world, it's a lot easier to work remote. I think we were able to really leverage technology to keep the wheels on the cart, so to speak, in order to keep moving forward. We've got a plan to debrief, survey, and otherwise assess our reaction as soon as this is over. I'll put that in air quotes, but Mm -hmm. it's a bit of a TBD. One thing I know is we will ensure we are set up for full-scale work from home going forward. Our past plans anticipated alternative work sites for locations that were inaccessible for one reason or another. We also had some robust plans that addressed 40% of our workforce being ill, but we did not anticipate the full-scale work from home and the physical distancing that this situation involved. Thankfully, a lot of the plans we had were able to be adjusted such that we could make it work. I think going forward, this is something we just need to be prepared for at the drop of a hat. Also, information management is something that is extremely important to address. And while it was not part of our formal pandemic response plan in the past, a key initiative this time was determining what sources of information we could trust, where we could get our information, who and how we would gather and report back to the rest of the team. For example, we have a chief medical officer. He was our primary lead on medical updates. Food safety was connecting with the FDA. We had others who were focused on collecting information, digesting and reporting back on information coming from the states and the local governments. With all this information out there and to pull it together, 
we conducted cross-functional task force meetings each morning where individuals would report out on their specific topics and their learnings from the prior day. We would talk about how this affected us. Does this require establishing new processes, reprioritizing existing objectives? And it often did. The information management piece of it was important because it allowed other associates to focus on tasks instead of having too many people spending the day trying to read news feeds and emails and watching the news and everywhere else this was coming from. And by having the experts assigned to follow certain topics, they were able to somewhat vet the information best they could and then communicate back on what was really important. And this helped us keep our messaging consistent and as fact-based as possible. Wow, that's really great. Thanks for sharing. Lynette, what are your key takeaways? It's been interesting, right? I think that as a company, Amazon, we've got a set of leadership principles, and I almost feel like this past six to eight weeks has been a pressure test of those leadership principles in some regard. I think that we all have learned that we all need to be leaders. We all need to embody that ownership and do what has to be done in the moment and give our folks the encouragement, but also the latitude to have that empowerment to apply that creativity. There's been a whole lot of invent and simplify, I think, going on over the course of the past eight weeks. And I think that using, again, our leadership principles as our guide, trying to encourage our teams that day to day, they're in the moment, they're making the decisions, and they need to bring those concepts to bear and help us get through this. I think that another thing that has been really super important that I think has almost been a benefit of this odd environment that we're in right now, I think we've all been humanized in some respects. You know, we're working remotely, we're on video conference calls, we may see children or pets and definitely home decor in the background. And so I think it's given us a lens into each other that hopefully will increase our ability to appreciate each other and, again, look at that diversity and be inclusive of the differences that we all bring. Even though it's been a really challenging time, I've also really enjoyed the opportunity to get to know people in a different level. And then there's also the harmonization between our work life and our home life and how do you balance those. I think we've learned lessons about that as well, about having an empathy and a tolerance to allow us to live our full, complete life, even though this is really bizarre and weird situation right now and work is hard and home life is hard. I do think that that has been something that I hope we take forward with us. Lynette, I couldn't agree with you more. I certainly think seeing the various dimensions of our teams and our people and how we as leaders need to step up and support them today has been more important than ever. I'm curious, as you think about the future, fully knowing that none of us has a crystal ball here, but thinking about your function and what else we need to do differently or what we might do differently as we think ahead, what comes to your mind in terms of future planning and moving beyond COVID? I think COVID has exposed a lot of the things that we all probably have on our list of to-dos. 
that would be great if we had the time to do them, whether that is improving how we collaborate and maybe putting together some different models on how the team interacts, how we cross-train each other. I think, Martha, you hit the nail on the head when you say information management and communication is just so, so, so important. And I think this situation with COVID has exposed that as well. So we're looking at how do we build better tools to record our information, to share our information, to communicate across the team? How do we get better at being more intentional about cross-training so that we build a resiliency to our team? And how do we also look at different collaboration models? I love that we've learned to work efficiently virtually And what that does is, I believe, it gives us the opportunity to really pull together global teams where maybe we haven't done before because maybe we didn't want to travel people. That's costly. That's also very time-consuming. It might disrupt lives. But now we've learned that we can hop on a video conference call and work very effectively as teams. I think we'll be probably more able and more willing to experiment with truly global teams and maybe have somebody sitting in the U.S., somebody in Europe, somebody in Asia, and figuring out how to work the time zones but still work very effectively as a team. I'm encouraged by the models that we've had to adopt and the possibilities that those models will allow us to take forward and maybe grow some dimensions of our team that we've talked about doing and we've aspired to do, but we really haven't had the impetus to push us off the mark. I think another thing that is exposed and given us the confidence to do is how we engage with the business. I think for the most part, sometimes auditors are pretty traditional in their approaches, and they don't like to change that much. But I think that what we've seen is we can be nimble, we can be close partners, running in the real time, in the moment with the business, helping the business collect information or get some insights to make real-time decisions. I love how that exposed and built our confidence in potentially looking at different engagement models with the business. I think there's a lot of lessons learned and things that we'll continue to experiment with and build on from COVID. Hopefully, the investment that we've all made trying to just survive, in my case, since early January with my China team, but then everybody now across the globe. It's definitely been a hurdle. It's been a challenge. Sometimes it's been frustrating. But I think also we've learned a lot that we can take forward. Yeah, suddenly it seems like we have. Corey, I'm curious, when you think about the future and the continuous pivot of the function, what comes to your mind? Yeah, and this may sound a bit cliche, but I think to anticipate the unexpected, I think all too often we go through our disaster scenarios and our business continuity scenarios and we discount or in some cases are even dismissive some of the things that could actually occur and don't build those thoroughly into our plans. And I think there's one thing this taught us that you definitely have to bake in any contingency plan, things you can't even imagine could happen. And I know that's somewhat difficult to do heard several times that people are saying, well, we kind of thought of that when we were walking through the plan, but we never thought it was really going to happen. And so those procedures haven't been developed or those procedures are in development. And so you figure it out on the fly. But I think that, that in some cases, one of the things you need to really think through is what really, really could happen if something like this occurred and not be dismissive of certain ideas or issues. 
one thing we had been doing that now everybody truly appreciates and supports is integrating compliance and risk professionals into the business. I've always felt that it's important that the roles need to understand where the business is going, what projects are on the future plan, so that they can investigate and assist with the changes that need to be made in order to help us get there. The changes both internally and the challenges with the current regulatory scheme that came into play quite a bit here and that we had done research previously before this was even on the horizon to say, where is healthcare going? Looking at telehealth, looking at ways that pharmacists can practice at the top of their licenses. And we knew what we would like to do in a goal to set way out there. And then we knew the things we had to get changed with regulations or with the way we did things ourselves. So when the challenges came up, then we were asked the question, how quickly can we set up and get testing sites open? What needs to be done? We had done the work and could pull that out. So being part of the business and partnering with them previously was a definite benefit. And IDF being much closer to the business going forward because of that proven work that we've done. Also, the skill set that compliance leaders have, I would say, coordination, consensus building, knowledge of regulatory schemes and laws that are out there, the connections that compliance leaders have with government agencies, with the trade associations, and with others in industry. I find that risk compliance audit as well. We interact with industry leaders, with our competitors, or with our suppliers more so than I think other departments do. So when it's with an issue where we really all need to be working together, we were able to reach people in the executive levels of other companies that we had good relationships with and you, we could trust and say, hey, you know, what are, what are you hearing about this? What things can we work on collaboratively to help the country, to help the retail industry, to help all consumers that we've got out there in this situation? And I was really pleased with how collaborative everybody was. I think in the future, companies that have robust and highly competent risk audit compliance teams will definitely have an advantage over companies that don't. One positive I see is that it shows the value of our teams and why we need to be there, why we need to be cross-trained and an integral part of the business. Thank you, Martha. I want to thank you all, Martha, Troy, and Lynette, for your participation and for providing such great and amazing insights today. Summary, I'd like to start with, Troy, one of your quotes, which was, anticipate the unexpected. I think we all need to do more of that as we move forward, evolving our engagement model, our approach to be more agile and help our team pivot become key as we move forward. And one way of doing that is also the way we engage with the business, being part of the business and working much more closely with the business as well. The other aspect of evolving is evolving our processes and our technology, whether it's information management or the technology we have to how we connect with our vendors and suppliers and our workforce. And then finally, stepping up as leaders is now more important than ever. Thank you all again for sharing your insight and thank you all for listening. For more information about our panelists, please see the link on the landing page. And for additional information about COVID-19 and our response, please visit kpmg.com.